Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Jessica Jones Podcast by Fantastic Geek, your official, unofficial voice of the Marvel Cinematic Community. My name is Matt, and joining me, as always, is Pete. Hello, Pete. I told her to stick with her lifestyle format. The Jessica Jones Podcast by Fantastic Geek for episode 212, a.k.a. Pray for My Patsy, is sponsored by Harlem Shake. It don't disappoint. Plus a side of curly fries. <laughs> well, Pete, here we are on the penultimate episode of season two for Jessica Jones. That means that after this, we have two podcasts left, the finale, and then a look back at the first season. But just a reminder, we don't stick with the Jessica Jones format. We got Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. continuing. We have, uh, what, one, two, many multiple Marvel movies, two Marvel movies between now and, uh, and, and the end of the summer. And uh, all sorts of other geeky goodness going on in the Pop Culture Podcast and our various other feeds. If you're down for those Marvel movies, check out the Marvel Movie Podcast by Fantastic Geek. All 18 so far. Marvel Cinematic Universe movies there waiting for you, ready to go. A lot of people counting down to Infinity War. That's the place you want to be. With that, it's time for some surveillance. Let's see what the episode was all about. Close up on an IV, as Jessica says, chasing your dreams can be deadly. It's Trish, who's sedated and the victim of a back alley doctor preying on people who want powers. The new doctor has no answers, and Jessica blames herself. Trish's mother doesn't blame anyone, though she and Jessica are a family, right? Detective Costa calls Jessica with an update. He and Detective Sunday play good cop, bad cop. Where is mom? She should be on the raft. It's your fault. Jessica looks at Carl's journal, also called police evidence. Where might mom go? She might go after Trish. Elsewhere, a tri-borough charities truck pulls into a loading dock. In it is Alyssa, who's escaped. She changes clothes and walks the street. Naturally, she walks through Times Square, because that's where you go when you hate people and crowds. She sees a man taking down Trish Talk posters. That doesn't seem to help. Indeed, Alyssa ends up at the radio studio, throwing Sean the boss through a glass wall and going after the blonde-haired, not Trish host. Intercut is a voiceover of Jessica explaining to the detectives that Mom blames Trish for the investigation that's ruined everything. Meanwhile, Tembi Wallace from the TV News is asking Dorothy about Trish's health status. Dorothy does not stick to the no comment and indeed seems eager to tell her tale, any tale, on TV. She does just that while Alyssa ends up back at the Love by the Sea Motel, crying over the loss of Dr. Carl. Meanwhile, it's TV time for Dot, who calls Trish a resilient inspiration. She's the victim of a lousy doctor. Won't you pray for Patsy? The story briefly stays with Alyssa, who jacks a camper. She ends up at the hospital, threatening a worker who's enjoying a coffee and has him cough up Trish's room number. From the speeding camper to a speeding police cruiser, Costa driving, Sunday shotgun, Jessica in the back as they're called to the radio station. But that New York traffic is slowing them down. Jessica jumps out and arrives through the hospital door just as Alyssa arrives through the window. Jessica is ready to dope her mother, but tries to explain that Trish is not Alyssa's enemy. They duke it out physically, then emotionally. Mom is trying to take Jessica's family again. Indeed, Alyssa may be ready to de-escalate, but Costa and Sunday arrive. 
Mom is slowed by a leg wound but grabs Sunday and backward dives out the window. A hard fall later, Sunday is dead, Alyssa is gone, and even we, the audience, put some of that blood on Jessica's hands. Later, Dorothy blames Jessica too, not just for the attack, but for the hurt on Patsy's brand legacy. Dorothy's taking a little lie down while Costa escorts Jessica to see Trish. After her visit, though, Jessica needs to give a statement to the police. And she'd better hurry. The police are going to shoot first when they find Mom. So Jones, don't try and be a hero. That's not you. Ouch. A bit confusingly, Trish is alive but being kept in the medical examiner's office. Jessica pours her heart out and Trish awakens right on cue. They debate who's at fault and info share that Dr. Carl is dead. They also debate whether Trish's surgery was worth it. Yeah, she could be crazy like Alyssa or she could be a hero like Jessica. But Jessica doesn't feel like a hero. She feels worthless. Alyssa calls and they set a meet at Trish's apartment, though Trish recommends that Jessica take out her mother. She can use Simpson's gear, a classic Chekhov's gun about, you know, a gun. Elsewhere, Jerry is trying to piece together her lost items, sadly calling the pawn shops near her. They're all too stupid to know about Akoya this and Hermes Birkins that. She does get a call back from Frankie's pawn shop, and that's a lead. Frankie doesn't remember a darn thing about whoever dropped off the bag, though they'll trade a fancy watch for her stuff back, and some ratting out of Shane, the supplier. With that, Jerry meets Turk Barrett, driving a Porsche. He notes now that she needs his skill set. He's brought lunch and will trade his efforts for reaching out to her again someday. It turns out lunch with a side of fries is a pistol, so that's a second Chekhov's gun. Later, Jerry confronts Inez just to talk. Inez says it was Shane's idea. It was love, not a scam, Jerry. It's real. But so was Inez being flattered by Jerry's actions. Jerry's found out that Inez has been flattered by Shane's affections, too, and that she's been and um, Patsy in Shane's scam. Turns out the gun is for Inez's use, and maybe a chance for Jerry to get revenge while keeping her hands clean. Jerry cruelly watches from the street as the couple fights. She sees the light of a gunshot, then calls 911. Back to Jessica, she gets into the ladies' room alone and hops out of the bathroom window. She's thrown the, her police protection and overhears the coroner, Maury, bellyaching about clearing the morgue. Jessica is going to use the meat wagon to get out of Dodge. The driver can't get out in time and is taking her to 33rd and Columbus. She takes his business cards, talk to the cops, Munoz, and I'm going for you. She walks, ending up in Trisha's apartment, finding those guns. Meanwhile, Dorothy is looking for a better hospital for, you know, Trish Walker as in Patsy. Mom's ready for her close-up, but doesn't listen as Trish says something is wrong. You're everything I wanted to be and so much more, Dorothy says. Narcissism in the face of a potentially dying daughter, who then seizes up. Alyssa shows up in time, dropping blood and wondering if Jessica is there. Gun click later, and daughter has cornered mother. If you have to kill your own mother, it's better not to look her in the eyes. Jessica repeatedly says she doesn't care. This despite Alyssa really, really being sure that she's fixed this time for sure. Jessica gives her a choice. Go to the raft, or one of them dies tonight. Jessica hesitates and gets cold cocked by the gun, done by her own mother's hand. What happens to dreams when they don't come true? They turn into nightmares, and Alyssa's stolen camper takes the driving mother and passed-out daughter 
into the night. What suspects draw our focus in this episode? Pete, let's start with Dorothy, the mother of the year. Yeah, well, I mean, doesn't it spell out who this character is that one minute with one daughter dying, she cozies up to Jess in something that is a early in the episode in that, wow, she's turning a new leaf. Maybe if Patsy doesn't pull through, they're going to have this, you know, adoptive uh, mother, adopted daughter thing work out and the next scene she turns on jess you know oh i like mother like daughter everything there she's a terrible person pete actress rebecca de mornay that's right rebecca de mornay does play dorothy but i almost feel bad for the actress in that dorothy is like two and a half dimensions like she's not a mere two-dimensional you know uh mustache twirling villain but she's also just not like there's ne- there's never that motherly love at the end of the day but credit to de mornay who makes you think that maybe this will be the time that dorothy turns it around and becomes a a genuine mother she just isn't and you know what there are people out there in the real world like dorothy so i'm not saying it's an unconvincing performance or portrayal but you know Dorothy can never quite stop being a media, you know what, just because not for money, not for her daughter's ultimate good, but just because she, she likes, she's a media spotlight hog. Is that a nice way to say that? She might be the most dangerous type of threat because she thinks she's doing the right thing. She's manipulative and she's easily manipulated. Yeah, and I, I i mean, it's, look, we all know just from having seen celebrity culture, everybody knows whether you watch TMZ or you read the National Enquirer or, or whatever, you just know if you don't want to say anything to the media at all, Pete, what do you keep repeating? I wouldn't even give them no comment, Matt. You, you just refer them to your representation. And, and I'm mean, in that, in that wonderfully written scene wonderfully spelled out scene there with Tembi Wallace who could we just say for a moment big ups to them continuing to bring back Tembi Wallace across the the different Marvel Netflix shows but you can just see Dorothy melt here's a lady with a camera who really wants to hear and then you know Tembi does the brush off of the cameraman which has got to be a practice thing between (laughs) you know between those two reporters and it's just us now and you can be in control of your story and you can just see Dorothy. Yes, I can be in control of my own story. This is what I want. It's, it's pathetic. It is completely pathetic and we see it and we still watch it. And I think in sharp contrast, Matt, is the, the villainy of Alyssa who cannot control herself. And I think that's an excellent point. I mean, we if you want to say, oh, Alyssa is a riff on the Hulk. Well, okay, well, the Hulk is a riff on Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. It's a riff on losing your temper. There's always going to be some degree of sympathy because when Alyssa is out of control, that's not hyperbole. She cannot control herself. Now, is she doing enough to 
like manage that. Like I am an uncontrollable rage monster who has killed five people. I need to be put away somewhere safe. And if that's the raft, that's the raft. No, she's not being responsible in that regard, but there's always that degree of sympathy because she's a brain damaged result of experimentation. And now that there's this glimmer of hope that she's come out of the, the trance, the spell, the rage with Jessica, and it's happened more than once, she's convinced she can be fixed. And when we're left at the end of the episode with Jess in her clutches, really left to wonder, you know, how does this resolve itself? Jess went there with the idea put into her mind from uh, Trish that she's got to take her mother out, that, that she has to be the one to do it. And the way that things went, you know, you're, you're left to wonder, my goodness, okay, are they going to carry this storyline into season two? Or, I'm sorry, season three, you know, Dorothy pulled into season two, different level, obviously. Um, but to, to see how they might resolve this. Part of why Superman has kryptonite is because it's the perfect family story. It's the perfect adoption story. It's the perfect American story. It's the perfect parents in the perfect, you know, kind of, uh, you know, farming situation, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so how do you get at him? You need this magic device, this magic story device of kryptonite. Uh, with the exception of Man of Steel, where, you know, Martha, Martha, which has now become this cliche, here we have this, this, this story reaches the same story uh, conclusion as to how to get to a character, which is have mom be, be in jeopardy here. Obviously, Jessica Jones, season two, doing a better job than, than uh, not Man of Steel, but than uh, Batman. Pete, the titles just blur together. Superman 2 with Batman and Wonder Woman, whatever that one was called. Um, <laughs> Justice League? <laughs> No, wasn't that three? Batman v Superman is the one. Yes. With, yeah. Yes. It truly is difficult. We see these movies. It's difficult to keep track of the stories in those. Um, anyhow, Jessica Jones, the strongest, uh, the emotionally strongest character, one could argue, in the series. Certainly physically strongest, with the possible exception of Alyssa. What brings her down? What makes her unable to be a hero? A line that's trotted out a few times. She's unable to be a hero because, very understandably, she can't take down her own mother. Uh, the fact that the, the the episode concludes with the two of them driving off into the darkness in this extended shot, mm -hmm. it's, it, it's a wonderful ending. It's a dark ending, and it really does beg the question, how can our hero take down our seasoned villain when it's mom? Well, speaking of darkness, Matt, just when we think Jerry has been redeemed, that she's learned something about herself and experienced growth, here she engineers the murder part of a potential murder-suicide situation. So I want to say in real life, that's hideous and despicable and awful for a story that was really that was really enjoyable and maybe that says some negative things about myself <laughs> wow I, 
I love listen. To, and now to we're going to add Matt to our list of suspects. <laughs> Again, just for the purposes of story, the fact that the fact that they show Jerry going through these machinations, and I mean, what machinations to include Turk Barrett looking his sveltest, looking his listen, swankiest. Man, Tur- Turk Barrett's name. Okay, Rob Morgan is only spoken of in reverent tones in these parts. He is the hardest working actor on Netflix. Uh, Go ahead and come at me. I mean, he's fantastic. And it's great to see it's great to see Turk Barrett at a more stable place in life. Now, do I think that Porsche? Well, and curly fries from a fictional Harlem eatery. Five minutes after that, is it possible that, you know, the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco and Firearms or the FBI or the CIA or Martian police or whoever came along and took it all away? Sure. But for right now, Turk Barrett's living high on the hog and I'm okay with that. Certainly it's a far cry from, you know, oh no, Daredevil's going to break my arms again. Um, There is an argument to be made, Matt, that the end of the Marvel Cinematic Universe Netflix end is uh daredevil jessica jones luke cage iron fist and punisher in shackles and uh turk barrett walking away slinking away into the night how about whistling away into the night while he spins a cane (laughs) um but i mean the fact that jerry figures out how to get this you know i assume it's a gun without a serial number and it's all blah 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 oh, all that. it's it's explained by turk that it that it's uh it's off so the fact that she jerry gets her revenge not by how dare you do this blam blam but by doing what she does best manipulating inez bringing up the tender times oh she meant it nobody was faking anything da 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 knowing that she now has planted the seed of doubt in inez's brain and inez is going to get the revenge on jerry's big bad which is shane leave the blood on the hands of inez which now she has to you know she has to pay for that oh jerry hogarth gave it to me oh really celebrity lawyer jerry hogarth got you an untraceable gun yeah right in shackles you go right. it's an elegant yeah, yeah I hadn't even considered the, the alibi aspect of it. I was waiting for a second shot and that she's called it in. I mean, who knows where the story extends. But to to do this, to bluff Matt with a manila folder and uh, the the papers locating her stolen belongings, that's what this is. This is over Jerry's family, Matt which is her things. And you know what? I'll do you one better. I think Jerry, Jerry, whether this appears on screen or not, I don't know. We're down to the last episodes. I don't know how much story time is given to the one versus the other, but Jerry very well could say, Hey, this was a potential uh, witness who I was keeping in touch with or potential client, whatever it is. I had gone over there to check in on her, saw the gunshots, then called the police. So she could even, partially admit to some of the sleepover time stuff partially admit to why she's out there as opposed to you know calling from the you know you can't call from an anonymous payphone anymore because they don't exist but she's got it completely covered and now has had both of them take care of each other essentially yeah i mean shane 
we can understand. This is a career criminal. This is somebody who's used to uh, preying on the uh, naivete of others. Um, Inez has had a bad stretch of luck. Uh, That's not to say she is not responsible for her own actions. She also knows what she is. Um, She's the more innocent, I think, of the two, given that uh, Shane is uh, at least believable enough in that he's manipulated other women that Inez knows that he's done that. So it's not as if what Jerry is selling is not completely false. It's just the way that it was sold to Inez uh, is misleading. Cryptology, where we uncover hidden messages and larger themes. Pete, where shall we begin? Let's start with Trish, Matt. These spasms, the near-death experience she's been through. There's little doubt we're heading toward Hellcat. But do these spasms specifically play any kind of role into what she's going to become? Well, I kind of read it as, uh, you know, as the potential of her, the transformation is occurring in her. Um, We have the big, big, big story out of the doctor who's attending her saying, I have no idea what's going on. So that's enough to say, I don't know, medically, uh, who knows? So when the transformation is complete, we're going to get that kind of, as a surprise, even though I think we all suspect that's where it's headed. Um, that said, and I'm 100% pro Hellcat here, but I think there's, let me put it this way, the story has left open the possibility of something terrible and tragic occurring. So I like that they're not kind of leading too much with wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Um, the back alley doctors who are apparently performing similar procedures so that people can gain powers. I mean, listen, it's, it's not a new idea that, uh, people would want to emulate the skills or looks of others and do it on the cheap and to have, um, disreputable people attempt to, uh, capitalize on that. But Um, that this is being done in the Marvel Cinematic Universe in New York in a place that's really, really given to the sway of popular media, that there are others out there like this, I think opens up a really interesting story avenue. It does. And if it's just meant to be a throwaway line where they contextualize what's been done to Trish... I, I think there's a possibility that that's the genesis of why it was written. But to me, it makes complete, complete sense. You know, and, and I mean, back alley doctor, I know we're thinking primarily of Dr. Carl, who was a real doctor. I would completely buy it that there's some sort of, you know, snake oil salesman type where it's, you know, it's, it's Pete, it's oregano, it's whatever it is that, that, that that's the, the fake thing because people are taking oregano to get powers. Oh my God. It doesn't just like make them, you know, kind of chill and (laughs) suddenly, uh, you know, watch a lot of TV. The power is levitation. Oh wait, I'm lifting (laughs) myself up. Never mind. Um, 
to me, it's it's a completely believable bit of of universe shading there. And if we never touch it again in any MCU uh, instance, that's okay. It's just there's that knowledge that you know, whisper, whisper. Here's who you can talk to. And oh man, I heard that now you can run a little faster, or now you know whatever it might be. It, it's it's a really wonderful line. You talked about Tembi's reappearance uh, in in this episode. We've seen her in uh, Luke Cage. And then did we see her? We may have seen her in Defenders. I can't exactly remember. We'll have to double check. Before, Matt, last time we saw Turk, um, I pitched the Turk, Barrett, Brett, um, uh, the NYPD detective, uh, buddy uh, cop series. I'm I'm going to go different now. I'm going to pitch you on the Tembi Turk series. And what that is going to be is you have this uh he's not a criminal uh all the time, uh just most of the time in in Turk and you have a reporter who's always in the right place to uh see the people he's supplying with uh handguns that uh don't have serial numbers on it or whatever i'm telling you it's gold uh pete actress uh tiwana ricks has appeared in uh six episodes of the first season of luke cage two episodes of iron fist one episode of jessica jones and episode 213 of luke cage so more tembi in the future so it was it was iron fist not uh defenders that i was thinking of Although I would have sworn that she appeared in Defenders, but that's not that's not what IMDb is showing, and we always know IMDb is never ever wrong except for when she. Um, I'm remembering it right now. She had um, she had cornered uh, Danny, and um, that's where he made the statement on TV and got himself in hot water. Boom! There you go. So always good to see Tembi. I mean, th- truly, this is one of these things where. It, it helps tie together the whole, the whole, not MCU, but all the, all these Netflix shows. It really ties it together when, when she shows up. It's a really nice touch. Listen, if uh, Turk and Brett, uh, uh, Barrett and Brett, is the lethal weapon of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, I imagine Turk and Tembi as the Joni loves Chachi of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. You can look both of those up, millennials. Let's check our mail drop. Here's what you have to say, Pete. Matt, we've been having a giveaway over at uh, iTunes for every review left to uh, the Fantastic Geek uh, feeds, and you have 13 to choose from. You can do all 13 and get 13 entries into our raffle on Friday, April 13th for a digital download code for Star Wars The Last Jedi, new on video. And we have a review left to the... Uh, Jessica Jones podcast by Fantastic Geek by Mad Tav. The headline is Fantastic, of course, with the PH, five stars. And it reads, I'm new to net- the Netflix Marvel scene, and these guys have done a great job connecting the stories of the characters without giving away spoilers. Because of them, I'm going to start watching Daredevil after I finish Jessica Jones. I'll definitely continue listening to Fantastic Geek as I watch 
more Marvel series. Ooh, high praise indeed. Nice to hear we have uh, we have new listeners joining the old listeners. Nice to hear we have people who uh, pick up pick up our podcast for one show. Hopefully that feeds over not just to our other podcasts, but to the other great entertainment that's out there. So good stuff indeed. Just a reminder: if you leave a review, make sure that you share with us via Facebook, via email, via Twitter. Uh, share with us who you are in relation to your iTunes name. That way, if you're the winner, we can get in touch with you ASAP before all the other cool kids are like, no, 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 I want that sweet, <laughs> I want that sweet prize. Yes, and remember, too, that uh, you can get up to 13 entries. We've had a number of people uh, increase their odds by leaving several reviews. That's all within the rules there. So get yourself 13, get, get the numbers on your side. Uh, hit up every feed with that Pete we want to take a moment to thank everybody who has supported us on patreon.com slash fantastic geek they keep our fictional detective agency on the fifth floor aloft <laughs> week to week month to month so that way Oscar the super ain't shutting down our lights and stuff absolutely everybody who contributes gets access to exclusive podcast content and then there's all sorts of levels you can be in on the ground floor with turk barrett you could be all the way up there in the penthouse with jerry hogarth you determine matt where you'd like to be well pete the greatest prize is being able to talk to you on twitter how can people do so you can find me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R-9800. -E 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 and while I am personally on Twitter as Looking Back Lost, you can be in touch with the podcast any way you like. Comment on FantasticGeek.com, email FantasticGeek at gmail.com. Check us out on Twitter and Instagram where we are Fantastic Geek as well. But wait, Pete, there's more facebook.com slash fantastic geek with the ph all one word like it today to those listening on the pop culture podcast feed we'll, we'll be back thursday with the final episode of jessica jones friday for agents of shield sunday to wrap up this season of jessica jones and if you're just getting us on the jessica jones feed ditto minus agents of shield with that pete i will say adios to all our listeners and give you the final word chasing your dreams can be deadly 